your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap down, the kick is up, and the kick is good! Here's Lane! Huskers win it 13-10. They beat Northwestern and go to 4-2. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. Sports Nightly. Wednesday night. Something changed the last hour or so. Last time you're outside. Four o'clock, three o'clock? Um, three, I think. <laughs> it's like it's like 20 degrees colder right now than three o'clock. Woo! It, Blue right well, my day started over at North Stadium. Uh, it was it was tolerable. Yeah, it was and nice. And then um, a few hours later, I went over to Hawks for baseball and messing around, chit-chatting with Joe Acker. We noticed that snow started to fall right before practice. And they were practicing outside? Yep. And then we whipped out the, the old weather forecast, and we said <laughs> – he wasn't too thrilled with what was coming his, his way, so it probably got pretty chilly out there for the boys. I think they today. finished up before it dropped. I don't know because it dropped about four thirty, forty fourth. They're probably closed being done. Yeah, probably. Yeah, good for them. Uh, Husker baseball. The coaches pulls out Husker baseball, which starts Friday night in Waco. Pick fourth in the conference behind Michigan, who made it to the College World Series finale last year against Vanderbilt, lost game three. They're picked to win it. Ohio State, two. Minnesota, three. Nebraska, four. Followed by Indiana and Illinois. Uh, when I informed you of this earlier today, you were a little bit surprised at where Nebraska was picked. Yeah, it was. Uh, the Huskers didn't reach higher than sixth by any of the publications. Sixth, seventh, and eighth by the big ones. Perfect game, Baseball America, D1 Baseball. Um, but, yeah, to be bumped up a couple notches to fourth was was really surprising. I think the top three are – pretty easy to peg um based on last year's results and kind of forecasting into this year i think michigan is the team that everyone has fresh in their mind with what they did um with their run to omaha but keep in mind michigan was also one out away from not making a regional correct um i think ohio state is a team that got hot late winning the big 10 tournament and they bring a lot of that team back including their entire starting rotation um they lose player of the year candidate dominant Canzone, but i think um there's a lot on ohio state's team on paper that looks pretty attractive and i think minnesota coach anderson always does a great job with the pitching staff and when you have a guy like max meyer that can touch 98 99 as a starter um that's a good place to start and i, I would imagine patrick Fredrickson takes another step forward after a really bad sophomore season too so you got those two guys starting one two um, and their Sunday guy back, Culliver, I think that's a good place to start for Minnesota. They lose quite a bit on offense, but you know I think uh, those three are, are are the sexy names in the Big Ten. And then you know teams like Indiana, Illinois, Nebraska, uh, kind of that next clump. I would go Ohio State. Personally, I think you kind of laid it out with Michigan. They're the pick because of what they did last postseason, which nearly didn't happen because they almost went – 0-2 in Omaha at the Big Ten Tournament, and everybody loved them after that. They got hot, and then their starting pitching was phenomenal. But two of those guys are gone. So, to me, Ohio State will be the pick. We'll certainly figure this out over the next couple of months. But I would think it's a pretty nice sign. Of, and, again, this is the Big Ten coaches voting on this. It's a pretty good sign. It's a tip of the cap, is it not, to Will Bolt? There's no doubt. You know, to give Nebraska the benefit of the doubt here is, a, I think it's a huge respect thing, not only to Will Bolt, but I think just overall how Nebraska competes in the league. Um, you know, I think Nebraska has earned that reputation around the league that they're going to be a, you know, top third um, half of the league type team every year. Uh, now they will have a clunker every now and again, like 2015 was, but I think, you know, for the most part, um, you know, Nebraska is a team that since they've joined the Big Ten have been in the top two or three in terms of winning percentage, percentage in conference games. So I think they've kind of earned that respect from their peers around the league. And 
um, getting that tip of the cap. But, yeah, I mean, to be picked over Indiana and Illinois, two, two formidable teams, two regional teams from a year ago as well, who bring back their head coach, I think is saying a lot. Sure is. All right. Um, we're going to talk a lot of college baseball tonight. You're okay with that? Good with that. Right. Kyle Peterson, who is – well, you might call him the voice of college baseball. Big-time ESPN broadcaster, does weekly games primarily in the SEC, uh, lives in Omaha, grew up in Nebraska. He's going to join us here a little bit later on to kind of preview the season, which starts in less than 48 hours. Friday is the opening day for college baseball around the country, so we'll hear from Kyle. We'll also hear in hour number two from Aaron Polinski as the Oscars met with the media today before they leave tomorrow for Waco, Texas, to begin this, the season against the Baylor Bears. We'll hear from Aaron coming up at the top of hour number two. We'll also talk some Husker wrestling. Head coach Mark Manny will be here in the second hour of the program. Huskers have a home duel Friday night. There's only a couple of more chances to see this team ranked in the top ten all year long, coming off a dominant weekend where they just blasted both Purdue and Indiana. We'll hear from the head coach coming up in uh, the second hour of the show. Buy Sal is back tonight. We'll have some fun with that at the top of hour number three. And it'll certainly keep the phone lines open for you at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We did not have a show last night because of Husker basketball. And what, what a game it was for the Big Red in College Park against the ninth-ranked Maryland Terrapins who came into the game at 19-4. and four. And if you watched only the first half and shut it off, you missed a heck of a second half of the Big Red. Nebraska down 13 at the half and absolutely outplayed Maryland for the final 20 minutes in a bad, bad way. Came up short, losing 72-70. to 70. Had a shot to win it, but a Cam Mack layup was blocked by Jalen Smith to pre- preserve the Terps and gave them their 20th win. But Ben, I was so impressed with what I saw from the Big Red last night, how much heart and fight they showed. Down Deshaun Burke, who didn't make the trip with a stomach bug. Hanif Cheatham's got a sore ankle, but he played and played brilliantly for Nebraska last night. This was a really gutsy effort. The only thing that was missing, and it's a shame, was the win at the end because they certainly had a chance to steal this one and get out of College Park with a huge road win. Yeah, I talked to a couple of people about the game today, and I think my ultimate takeaway from it is you you kind of got the feeling that this was Nebraska's the game that they were going to get the breaks. You know, Maryland missing those front ends of the one and ones, uh, the turnovers on the press um, to give Nebraska another possession. Yes, there were a couple of missed calls, but I'm I'm looking past that. You know, you lose nine in a row. Let's let's not pin the officials on this was he out of bounds yes but whatever um Nebraska had a chance with the ball to win the game that that's that's to me the biggest takeaway is they continue to fight and I know being around the team a little bit today the last thing these guys want to hear right now is boy you guys really played hard again because they've been hearing that for two months they know they're playing hard They, they they're practicing hard they're showing up to film they're doing all the things that coach Hoiberg wants them to do now, the second half against Penn State, admittedly, they didn't play that way. Second half with Iowa, probably didn't play the way they wanted to. But by and large, I think this team really is putting their record behind them and just going out and playing. And good things are happening. You know, when you take a team like Maryland, who's competing for a conference title, hadn't lost in their building. We're watching Rutgers right now. They hadn't lost in their building. Pushing Indiana in their building. You know, this team's good enough to compete in this league. And the other thing about it is the Big Ten right now is maybe the toughest it's ever been. It's hard to win games in this league right now. And if you don't bring it every night, you're going to get beat. That's why there's so much parity in the league. But I think this team is still learning. They're still growing. And and most of all, more importantly, most importantly, they're still competing. And I don't think anybody in that locker room or in that program right now is just saying, well, let's just punt on these last few games and, and look forward to next year. I think – you know, they, they love being around each other. They love playing with each other. And I, I expect to see more of this. And this one stung. This one really, really stung because you felt like Nebraska, despite shooting terrible from the three-point line, would be able to overcome some of that and find a way to win a game on the road against a top-10 team, unfortunately. Um, Jalen Smith just made a heck of a play in blocking Cam's shot, and the Huskers fall just short. 
you almost had the feeling when the front ends of the one and weren't missing, you're like, I, I don't know, maybe you didn't feel it. I'm like, we're going to steal this game. You just kind of felt like it's going to drop for Nebraska tonight. And in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have meant a whole lot. This season's kind of gone. But it would have been a huge boost to these guys that have put in the work to try to be a good basketball team. But it, it wasn't meant to be. Great play by Sticks. He blocks a shot late. Um, but I, I, when, he, when the second win, when Cowan missed the front end of the one-on-one, he's an excellent free throw shooter, you're kind of like, whoa, I think this may happen. Yeah. So proud of the players, too. And you, you talked about Hanif. Um, chatted with him today. He could, he could barely walk. He said he could, with a calf injury, you know, it's, it's really hard to gauge where you're at. He wasn't sure he'd be able to run at all. And to play the way that he did, he played explosive, he played fast, he played quick. Not something you would expect with an injury. Uh, proud of him. Proud of Mate Kavas. First time this year he's been in double digits in a conference game. Gervais Green continues to play well. Cam Mack's vision is second to none. Uh, Kevin Cross knocked down a huge shot despite a bad shooting night. He, when Nebraska needed it most to go in, it did. Uh, I thought, you know, the team really – and how about Thor? You know, battling yeah. – Jalen Smith down low in that paint all night long, giving up over a foot, seemed like. Um, I mean, to a man, th- those those guys all played so hard, and I just want it so bad for them, you know, for, for, for one of those results to go their way. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't last night, and now they'll turn their attention to a red-hot Wisconsin team. Thor played 38 minutes. 38 minutes for him, and you're right, he was banging with, with Jalen Smith for most of the night, and uh, still made three threes. He's still shooting in such a high percentage in three-point range. Mateka Voss with 11 points. We, he has really – he kind of went away for a few games, but he's got a little bit more playing time, particularly with Burke not on the trip. You had to get some minutes from somebody else. And I'm proud of Kavas because that's a guy that could have just said, ah, kind of done here in Nebraska. I'm over. But he popped in 11 points for the Big Red. They certainly put a scare into the folks at the Xfinity Center in College Park. Just couldn't quite get over the hump. And as you mentioned, back home for a, a game on a Saturday afternoon at PBA against the Wisconsin Badgers. we got a couple games in the league tonight we'll keep an eye on here as well. If you have some thoughts about that, love to hear them. 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Sports Highly here on a blustery, cold February night here in Lincoln. We're back on a Wednesday night. Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. The college baseball season is just a couple of days away. And the voice of college baseball on ESPN, Kyle Peterson, who lives up in Omaha, joins us next. Good evening, Kyle. How are you doing? Hey, man. I apologize. I, I missed an appointment here about an hour ago, so that's on me. No, no worries. We're good. Um, how? Let's talk about the, the the state of the game right now. Is it is it pretty healthy in your eyes? Where is college baseball as we get ready to launch the twenty twenty year? Um, I mean, as long as I've been involved in it, I think it's as healthy as it's ever been. It, it's um, I think there's a variety of things. One, it feels like, and not that this is the most important, but it's one of the. I think it's one of the bigger changes in the last five years. I think the relationship between the college game and the major league game is about as good as it's ever been. And if you just go look at the major league side, the amount of college guys that, that they've been hiring lately, and, and that's it's such a departure from what it used to be. And, and historically, there was kind of always this ego battle between, you know, college develops better, you no know, pro develops better. And the reality is both do. And there's a spot for a variety of guys in each place, whether it's out of high school or whether it's guys that sign out of college. So I think that's only healthy for it. Um, the draft coming to Omaha is a big deal. And it's a big deal because it shows more of that interaction between Major League Baseball and NCAA. So those two things, I mean, you know, the, the, we can talk ratings and all the other stuff. It's good. It's very good. Um, now we just need a few more scholarships and a, and a third assistant coach, and we'll be well on our way. You mentioned the draft. You were a driving force behind that. You were the first person that I heard really mention that and push that. And you did it on your platform at ESPN, which certainly carries a big stick. And to, to somebody's credit, they listen to you. And it's going to be, I think, a great event. It's also going to be fun, I think, to have some of those big-time college stars whose teams make it to Omaha to be a part of the event. I think that's important, don't you? Yeah, I do. I think it's twofold. I think one of the things that was the most disappointing about it in the past is it was on a day that guys were potentially playing and many times were playing games. And 
I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, put yourself in a situation to where if, if you're whoever, name your guy. I mean, there's plenty of instances to where somebody was drafted in the on-deck circle or had to take a phone call in the middle of game three of a super regional from somebody that asked them whether or not they'd be willing to sign for X in the first or second round. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair to a kid, which in many cases could be, you know, if not the most, one of the most important financial life decisions that you make. So I think just to get it off Monday is a big deal. And then, yeah, if, if you can, I mean, one, get it in a spot to where it's, it's kind of the epicenter of the college game for two weeks, but also to where kids can be there and experience it and, and, you know, be a part of what they've had a chance to watch on TV from an NFL standpoint and an NBA standpoint. You know, I, I don't think there's going to be 200,000 people in the streets like there was in Nashville last year, but I do think that, that over time, uh, because I don't, I don't think it's intended to be a one-time deal from MLB standpoint. Over time, I think that that it can grow into a, a spectator-friendly event and an event that you can get more kids to, both both high school and college, and, and that's only a good thing. Kyle Peterson's with us from ESPN. We're talking college baseball. You mentioned the television ratings. I think I read last week where one of the finals but games between Vandy and Michigan was the highest-rated baseball broadcast on ESPN until a September Major League Baseball game. How, how much of that was was maybe Michigan bringing such a big college sports brand to it? And, and how important for the Big Ten was it that they finally had a team get there and make some noise in Omaha? Well, I think it's all the above. I mean, you know, the ratings is, is you know, it's, it's fairly straightforward. Like, if, if you have major fan bases that are involved in whatever the sport is, then ultimately the ratings are going to be better. And, and I remember a few years ago, you know, you had – Coastal Carolina and Arizona, and, and Coastal was the greatest story that year. And, and Arizona is, you know, historically a, a very, a very good baseball school. But the the overall fan base is maybe a little bit different from some of those other places. And it wasn't going to rate. And the games could have been the best games in the world, but there's still a limitation on it. When you get major athletic department, major conference, major athletic department, major conference, and in one case Michigan that hasn't been there in a long time, um, yeah, I mean people are going to watch. So. It's no different than if Nebraska was in it. I mean, it's it's the same it's the same type of of idea based on the fan base that Nebraska has there too. So I think for a variety of reasons, it's set up for a situation that, um, thankfully, a lot of people watched. And you know, you go to a game three where it's a winner take all. Um, the first two games have been so good, so everything aligned pretty well. The uh, Michigan barely made it, Kyle. You know, this is our ninth year in the Big Ten, and, and our perception is, and we get a little blinded by this, that the league has really improved talent-wise, facility-wise. They're putting more emphasis in it. Do you notice that? Is that talked about around the country in baseball circles? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly remember, I, I know we may have this conversation. I was awesome. I don't know if it was on it, but when, when Nebraska went into the league, the one thing that, that I guess, I mean, didn't confuse me because people can't necessarily know this, but there, there was such a um, an overwhelming feeling that the Big Ten was, was potentially an inferior baseball conference. And I don't, I don't remember how many years ago it was in Nebraska went in the Big Ten, but um, it wasn't that long ago. And the reality is it's, it's, it's a darn good conference now. There's weather limitations that are always going to affect it some, and, and I think what you've seen in years past, really since Nebraska came in, I mean, Indiana makes it here and, and has a new facility. Obviously, the commitment that Michigan has made. Minnesota's had some some very consistently good teams, and they're going to be good again this year. Um, and obviously, you know, Nebraska has found their way into the tournament pretty consistently. So it's it's a deep league. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that Purdue was a national seed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I think that um, I, I think there's two answers to your question. One is, like, the general public around the country, do they understand the level of baseball in the Big Ten? No, because a lot of them don't watch until the last two weeks of the season, which is Omaha. For those that are within the game and for the coaches that you talk to that, that play those teams, Iowa, I mean, look at some of the teams that Iowa beat last year. Um, yes, they absolutely do do understand the level of play. The one uh, Nebraska obviously going a different direction now. Will Bolt back to run this program during Erstad steps aside in June? What kind of reputation does Will Bolt have nationally? And and your thoughts about the Bolt hire for Nebraska? I loved it. Um, 
you know, I think that, that when they hired Darren, it was the same feeling, and rightfully so. I mean, he had somebody that, that knew the school, um, carried a tremendous amount of respect within the game. Obviously, their, their pro careers are a little bit different, but still, I mean, they, they, were, they were guys that everybody really respected. And I think with Will, the difference is um, he's recruited consistently for a long period of time. He did it in the SEC. Um, but he played there, and he played there when the program was as good as it's ever been. So I think that combination with the fact and, and just the pride that he has in the place, same that Darren did, um, is is a, a really good fit. And and he was going to be a head coach somewhere. I mean, there was and it wasn't going to be very long. He 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 was he was getting to be on that short list of assistants just because of the job that he had done a And M from a recruiting standpoint. And although. You know, A&M was a mainstay in the College World Series. The run that Rob has had since he's been there, I think, is is a little bit underappreciated across the country. But, no, I mean, I, I loved it when I saw it. I love the fact that Jeff came back with him, and I know it's a little bit different role, but just given what he was, um, what Jeff saw and, and the time that it was around Rob when he was down at A&M, I, I think he fits perfectly as, as a pitching coach. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, and I, I, I don't know that you could have found a better fit. You mentioned Jeff Christie. He will be the pitching coach. It's it's a little different thinking having a former catcher be a pitching coach. Dave Duncan did it for years in, in the majors. Yeah. Your thoughts about a catcher running a staff? Well, I mean, I, I think for the same reasons that it makes sense to be a pitching coach, it's the same reasons that, that we see so many catchers manage or head coaches because they're the only ones that, that really have to deal with everything within the game. And because of that and, and – the you know psychological warfare that catchers have to do in dealing with everybody on a pitching staff day in and day out, um, they see things differently, and and sometimes I think that's really healthy. And the the cool thing about a catcher is, you know, if if I'm not pitching, I may have the pitching chart, I may be watching hitters, I may be watching something else. But if you're catching, you're watching whoever's on the mound every time, and it's it's a lot of times you're the direct line to them to potentially make in-inning changes, pitch-by-pitch changes. You can't necessarily make those changes in a bullpen. So Jeff's been in that situation. And I think that then serves him well when he moves into the pitching coach role because um, even though he hasn't stood, you know, at least on the mound 60 feet, six inches away, he's dealt with those personalities, you know, for for a long period of time. And standing in the bullpen and having the role that he had at A&M, I think, prepared him pretty well. Okay, what do you got? You you heading somewhere tomorrow? I, I'm heading somewhere tomorrow. It's not necessarily for baseball, but um, no, my we're, my son's playing at a golf tournament down in Tampa, so we're going somewhere warm, um, and we'll end up. I think we're going to go see the Yankees on Friday and say hi to Booney for a little bit, and then we don't. Uh, I don't have really have anything for a few weeks, and then I think the first actual games mid March. So you're going to have quite a head start on me. I'll tell you that. Some pretty interesting matchups this weekend. Indy, you mentioned Indiana earlier. They're opening at LSU. The Huskers go to Bader. Yeah. This is what this is a fun time of year for me when you get to see these kind of interconference rivals get going. I think that's a neat, neat part of the season. No, it is cool. And and some of these some of the tournaments the first few weeks. I mean, Michigan and Vanderbilt play right away. Um, you know, the tournament out of LA a few weeks is UCLA, SC. I think it's TCU and Vandy goes out there. There's always a few, the, the tournament in Texas in a few weeks. So I, I, you're right. Um, there's some really good matchups. I think it's uh, Ole, Miss and LA, or Ole Miss and Louisville, I think, are playing week one. So, yeah, it, it, this is um, – and, it, you know, it's, it's not this way as much. I think years ago there was a lot of times to where the, the bigger blue blood southern teams wouldn't leave for five weeks, and they just shipped people in and they wouldn't go anywhere, and – They'd be 17-0 and 0 by the time they got in conference play, and he didn't really know. And, and thankfully, that doesn't happen as much anymore. So, um, Oscars are going to see a good club, though. I mean, that's Baylor's a good club to open up with, and, and obviously there's always a challenge if they've been outside for a long time. And even though our weather has been horrible, it's, it's still not easy to get as much work in. No doubt. Kyle, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll pick on you a few more times throughout the season. All good. See you, man. Well, let's start with Aaron Polinski, who a year ago – we're getting ready to start the season. Didn't know a lot about him. Heard good things from the coaching staff, but we tend to hear that a lot. But boy, did he deliver. He had a heck of a year. One of the most consistent Huskers, probably the most consistent Husker um, from weekend one to the end of the year. Had the big three-run bomb against Oklahoma State that gave Nebraska a lot of momentum. 
uh, in Oklahoma City. And before practice today, I was able to talk to Aaron. Started out by just asking him, man, it's felt like forever since uh, the team was able to play again. Didn't think it, you know, the year would get here fast enough with the way the last season ended. I just asked him how things have been going and uh, in preparation for this year. I think excited is an understatement. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to getting the season started really since the end of last season. Um, I've been putting as much work as I can in the off season, uh, trying to bring guys along with me, you know, going to hit, going to get extra reps in. Um, I, I can just not wait to get started on Friday. It's been a heck of a journey for you already here at Nebraska. Um, I guess let's just start with what you learned about Division One, Big Ten baseball a year ago and how you're going to carry that into year two. Yeah, so Division One baseball, it's it's definitely uh, a whole different animal compared to high school baseball and and really junior college baseball. Um, you know, it just moves faster. You know, guys are faster, more powerful pitchers, throw harder with better stuff. Um, and you know, the Big Ten is it's a Power Five conference, so you know it's it's up there with the best competition in college baseball. So basically, what that teach or what that tells me is that here I am making making an impact in that and knowing that like I can belong. And for, for you, probably had that satisfaction pretty early. You had a big series with Riverside. I know that left fielder took like seven or eight doubles away from you in that mm-hmm. first weekend. But what is it about just your approach or, or your mentality that allowed you to be so consistent all year and you know, hopefully build on that to this year as well? Mm-hmm. So when I'm, I'm, when I'm hitting at the plate, I try to throw all mechanics and, and uh, I guess thinking about my swing out the window and I just try to focus me versus the pitcher and whatever pitch he's going to throw, I know that I'm going to hit it hard somewhere. I don't care where it goes. I try not to think too much about, you know, oh, I got to have a good launch angle on this or I got to, you know, get this set right. I just think hit the ball as hard as I can every time. What did you learn from Coach Erstad? I know it's probably bittersweet for you to – you know, have him go and, you know, bring you to Nebraska and, and all that. And unfortunately, last year ended and told you after the bus ride that that was it for him. But what, what did you take away from him that, you know, you're still carrying with you now? Mm-hmm. You know, Coach Erstad was a guy who played for, you know, 10 plus years in the majors. He was an all-star World Series champion. You know, he, he brought a lot of experience to the team. And what I could learn from him is that you need to treat each day like it's a new day you know him playing you know a bunch of 162 game years I can imagine that those dog days are a lot longer than the dog days in division one baseball but with for him to have a career like he did he had to get through that and know that every day is a new day and every day is important and not take one day for granted so if I could take one thing away from what what I learned from him that would be it probably carried over pretty well to having Will Bolt come in what was that first week like for you you know meeting him for the first time getting used to what this new dude and the way this new program was going to be like what what was that like for you especially early on first week or so Mm -hmm. um you know I was definitely a little bit nervous you know just having a new coach it's it's a little bit different but he he from the first time I met him he made me feel very welcomed and you know really made the whole team feel welcomed so you know, I, I really don't think a whole bunch is different, you know, because I feel like we are, we've already had a good culture here, uh, and and especially the upperclassmen have helped uh, keep that culture. So, you know, to be honest, there really isn't a whole bunch that's different, I would say. And how much does it help him being a Nebraska guy, putting on the same uniform you did, being around here, having that familiarity with Coach Erstad, being assistant under him? How did that help the transition? Yeah, um, especially since he played here, you know, he's been through it. He knows exactly what Nebraska baseball is all about. And I think that's that's really key, uh, having essentially the leader know what Nebraska is down to the core. So uh, with that, him just being able to instill that into us and realize what we're playing for, you know, the, the entire state of Nebraska, you know, we're – a somewhat northern school and we're still top 10 in the country in attendance so that just shows that we have a really good fan base um, especially when they're sitting out in 40 degree weather games uh, you know he just really really instills in us uh, just what Husker baseball is new guys come in seniors leave what's been the attitude in the clubhouse how you guys come together how you guys have meshed um, I know you spent a lot of time together and we'll spend even more time together now on planes and buses but how has that part gone of you know saying goodbye to guys that have spent four or five years here and then now guys that have you know never been never been with this park before yeah you know I, I I definitely miss the seniors every day but 
I, I don't think our team can be much closer than what it is now. You know, I feel like from the oldest guy to the youngest guy on the team, you know, I feel like everybody on the team will go to war any day of the week for any of these guys. You know, we're brothers. We have each other's backs. And I, I just love to see the brotherhood that this team has. Aaron, the way last year ended, I mean, we were one pitch away from basically being in a super regional and then to have it end the way that it did. How do you take that? Is that something you flush? Is that something that you pay attention to this offseason? Is it completely new now that you have a new coach, new era? I mean, how, how are you or, or the team taking the way that that last year ended being so close and now kind of starting over? Um, truthfully, you know, people always say, like, you know, you got to flush and move on. But, you know, we're all human and it's almost impossible to flush that you know it really really left a bad taste in all of our mouths and you know whenever anybody even talks about them or talks about that game you know I sometimes get a, even a little uh, sick to my stomach so really what I try to learn from that is that that's how close it is from making a super to not making a super is one pitch so just paying so much attention to the just the little details and you know, learning from your mistakes and really what I feel like that's brought to the season is just a giant chip on all of our shoulders, you know, showing what we could have done last year. And, you know, maybe we got unlucky, maybe we didn't, but imagine if we got lucky, like, you know, honestly, kind of like what Michigan did, you know, what could happen. Now you're starting over. Got got a few, a few games here coming up in Waco, played them last year, probably familiar with them, but um, what are you hoping to see as a guy who has played and you know, there's going to be a number of guys that play this weekend that haven't played as a Husker yet what are you hoping to see and make you feel a little bit better than maybe what you do right now you know I just want to see some good baseball from from our guys I want to I want us to go up there with controlled aggression uh just complete excitement and and poise out of our guys at the same time uh I want to see some like I said some good baseball you know Baylor is definitely a quality opponent um but I think we are we will look them in the eye and I expect on coming back with three wins. Yeah, let's do it. Aaron, it's great sitting down with you, man. Let's go get a few this weekend. Enjoy the snowy weather out there today at practice. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you. We're back on a Wednesday night. Sports only here on the Husker Sports Network. Again, thanks to Kyle Peterson of ESPN for joining us to be a part of the program here tonight. I really thought he'd be somewhere calling games this weekend. A little surprised that he's off till mid-March. But he's pretty much full throttle until the season's over yeah they don't take weekends off really kind of thought there might be some games on the sec network this weekend uh but but not the case so he's off until then we uh, another guy who's never off joins us now that's mark manning husker wrestling coach huskers getting set for a home duel with michigan coming up on friday night hello coach how you doing tonight hey doing great greg thanks Congratulations on this past weekend. You uh, you had a couple of really good duels against Purdue and Indiana. How did you feel like the team competed? Man, we we uh, the the guys did really well. They performed really well. You know, it's it's tough being on the road. You know, leaving Thursday night and then and then wrestling Purdue's a really much improved, scrappy team. Um, uh, Tony Urslan, um is doing a really good job there, and we we just wrestled really well that night, and then turned around, wrestled well, and in, in Bloomington on Sunday afternoon. So it was a it was a good trip, hard trip. You know, we had our flight ended up getting canceled, so we drove back uh, oh. ten and a half hours, but that wasn't great. But uh, but our guys uh, showed a lot of resiliency. Boy, I did not know that. That that uh, that stinks for for you and the guys for yeah. able to do that. I want to ask you about Taylor Venz. Where is he at? He seems like he's a pretty important piece. If you want to do the damage, you want to do it league and also the NCAs. Where, where is he at right now for you? Yeah, you know he's that's a that's exactly it on the head there. Taylor's going to be a big piece of our team. You know, coming Big Ten and and NCAA tournament wise in March and. Taylor's a, he's a heck of a competitor and um, you know, he's had some tough rough stretches here and there this year, but I think he's really wrestling uh, really well the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he's um, a lot of good, a lot of good talks and a lot of, you know, just mine's a powerful tool and you got to use it and not, not, not getting, getting your way sometimes. And in our sport, people, you know, just overthink things and, Taylor's done that a couple times this year and lost some guys that probably should have won, but he's had some big wins lately. And, 
you know, he, he's he's on the upswing, and I I think he's uh, really building some good momentum here. Update us on the health coach of Isaiah White. I know he's been gimpy. He came through with a huge pin for you late a few weeks ago. Uh, how's he? Is he trending okay for postseason? Where Where do you feel with Isaiah right now? Yeah, he's uh, his ankle. You know, he sprained his ankle there against the Ohio State match, and it's just got it out and got a fall for us. And then he's uh, he wrestled one time last weekend. We we used him on Friday night, wrestled him on Sunday, and and um, was able to wrestle Jake Silverstein on Sunday. But Isaiah's doing much better, and uh, he's having a good week of practice this week. Just really, it's been a couple weeks. Just you know, those ankles. Eric Schultz had one a few weeks ago too, and so it's. Those, those things can be, you know, hard to heal when you're trying to keep your conditioning, keep your technique going and, and trying to be as active as you can. And then, you know, just the competition, you know, is hard on guys. So we're um, Isaiah's back to getting, you know, he's not 100% yet, but he's he's going to go this weekend and obviously next weekend against Minnesota. So. You mentioned the the schedule. You just went through a meat grinder with Wisconsin, <laughs> Iowa, Penn State. Uh, I know Michigan State, State was in there. Ohio State was in there. Uh, have you ever gone through a stretch? That, that was brutal stretch that you just went through. Yeah, it, it really was. It was, um, you know, back to back weekends with with Iowa and then Penn State and then. You know, two weeks later, Ohio State. Um, so I think, you know, and then just being on the road sometimes too, you know, with with Iowa, the weekend we went there was, uh, you know, normally a four-and-a-half-hour drive turning into about eight-and-a-half-hour drive because it was a blizzard that day and, um, you know, the day before. And so, um, you know, just really we, we we've definitely been challenged and, our guys have been just really resilient and just do, they're doing a great job. They come to practice with great energy and which is really impressive. And we're, we're, we started this semester, the second semester practicing in the morning. So we go at eight thirty, and guys are, you know, they, they do well, man. It's, um, it's impressive. They're an impressive group of guys. Well, for the home for the folks, this will be the last chance to see your team this year at the Devaney Center. You got Michigan coming in here Friday night. Uh, what 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 stands out for this duel, and what should folks be looking for on Friday? And it's, it's uh, Michigan's really improved as the season's gone on. They've got they had a couple guys uh, early in the year that were were banged up, and then they got back in the lineup. So they're going to be tough a tough team. Um, the, you know, their heavyweights undefeated, just pinned the number three ranked guy in the country, Cassie Oprah from Iowa last weekend. And, uh, Mason's, uh, you know, tough competitor and, um, you know, David Jensen or, or Christian Lance will wrestle there. And then, and, uh, so it, it's, they're, they're, that heavyweights really, really been on my mind this week. And then. You know, some of their, their lightweights are really good. They're 125 and they're 157 are nationally ranked and they're 84. So it's going to be a good test. They're a 49 pounder too. So it's a good test and, you know, it'll be senior night at the Devaney Center and it's going to be an 8 o'clock start because it's on a BTN live. And so um, we'll love to have a lot of Husker fans there turning out for our last home duel and cheering these guys on to victory how many seniors are you going to be honoring on friday coach we're going to honor six um you know uh we have three starters isaiah white david jensen and and uh and uh colin purrington and then three other guys kyle rudiger um johnny blankenship and um oh man my 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 last senior um I put you on the spot too, um, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm having a brain fart here in regards to my my last senior, uh, Zach Hensley, maybe. Zach Hensley, I'm sorry. Yes. yes, and Zach's done a really good job of filling in a number of times this year for us. Wrestled last weekend, uh, and so CJ uh, CJ Red's weight on Friday night. So yeah, Zach's uh, yeah he's been means a lot to our program. So. 
those six guys will be honored uh, before the match, and then, and then we'll let it rip. Fantastic. How, have you have you seen some good progress from some of your young ones this year, Coach? And I mean, uh, we we focus so much in on the 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 more veteran guys like Vens and White and CJ and those guys. Yeah. But have you seen some development from some of your younger wrestlers? Yes. You know we you know we have three freshmen in the in the lineup at one twenty five. Alex Thompson, and he's been you know up and down this year. There's no mystery there. But um, yeah, I think he's trending in a good spot. He he had two tough losses last weekend, both the nationally ranked guys um, and both really tight matches. And then true freshman Ridge Lovett, who by 20 years here at Nebraska, I'm not sure we've ever had a freshman like Ridge. Uh, what a competitor, man. What a what a competitor. Um, and actually three weekends in a row, he wrestled the number one, number two, and number three ranked guys. Oh. Wisconsin kid. The Iowa kid who was a multiple All-American and then All-American and Penn State guy, and he wrestled them all tough. And he's, you know, he's just he's tough as nails. And and uh, he he went two and zero last weekend. He's won a number of big matches for us. And man, he's progressing well. And he's just he's on a mission. And then Peyton Rob at one fifty seven, probably a guy that really goes over is overlooked. Um, you know, he just knocked off the sixth-ranked guy from Purdue last weekend. So, he's um, man, Peyton Rob at 157 is going to be a big factor for us. And he's he's um, really he, he's got a nationally ranked guy ahead of him on Friday night with Michigan. So, going to be a good test. Well. We wish you the best of luck. Last chance for the folks to come out and see at the Devaney Center. It goes so fast every year. Congratulations on what you've done to this point, and we're keeping an eye on this thing as we get closer to postseason. Appreciate it, Coach. You bet. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having us on. It's time to buy or sell. Buy sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Tim. And Josh Hilkeman. That's right. We're back for a brand new season of Buy Sell. I was not here when we wrapped up season 12, a win for Greg, but I had something else going on that day. So it sounded, huh. sounded like, uh, Greg, you, you pulled out the win pretty comfortably yeah, there. Glorious victory after I fell so far behind in that season to rally and win it. Very, very satisfying. Ben, any thoughts to recap? To, <laughs> to be honest, I don't even really remember what happened. I remember I lost, but I'm not sure in which fashion it, it yeah. was. It's the brain scrubbing away the trauma. It's a it's a you know production method right there, yeah. kind of like you're doing with Patty Mahomes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> look, uh, look, Tom, I, he, he's coming back to New England. It's all good. My Las my Vegas Raiders is where he'll be. <laughs> oh, do no. you do you want him back, Tim? Well. I will accept him lovingly uh, into New England's arms because I don't know what they do to quarterback if he didn't return. So I, at least for this season, I don't know about the future. Obviously, he's not a long-term option, but I don't know. Would you rather have Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo right now? Tom Brady, honestly. I mean, Jimmy G kind of sailed kind of on the coattails of his defense. I mean, he didn't really play all that well in the Super Bowl, so I wasn't really – all that super concern. So there you go, Ben. I wasn't that beat up that Patty Mahomes led the Chiefs to victory because Pat because Jimmy G looked kind of garbage. The so. best the best part about this, Tim, is the Chiefs won. So you're going to be hearing about it till the NFL teaser up next year. <laughs> so I'm really yeah. I, I'm I really going to enjoy this next six months. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, let's jump into some answers from last time's questions, and we start with Husker women's basketball, and we ask by ourselves that Kate Kane would block five or more shots in either one of her next two games. Those games were at Minnesota and at home against Ohio State. The answer was a bye. She actually did it in both games. She had six blocks wow. against the Gophers and seven against the Buckeyes. So Holy she did, did it in both. You guys both sold it and were both incorrect. Dikembe Mutombo out here. Wow. Yeah, she was wagging her finger. I just wish one of those games would have ended up in the win, win yeah, column. Yeah, no kidding. That's Jeez. insane. 13 blocks in two games. Whew. 
All right, got a Super Bowl answer for you. By ourselves, the Super Bowl would be decided by three points or fewer, or at least 18 points. That answer wound up being a Sells 11-point victory for the Chiefs, 31-20. to Greg and Ben both bought it, though, so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. It's all right. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't bother me at all. All right, you guys are dead even so far through two questions. And continuing with the Super Bowl by ourselves, the, the Chiefs would score the first points of the Super Bowl. The answer was a sell. The 49ers got off to a 3 nothing lead by kicking a field goal. So it was a sell. Ben, you sold it and were right. Greg, you're wrong with the buy. Hmm. I'm glad, but it's not something I, I... I'm usually on the other side on those, but glad I switched over this time. There you go. All right, got another Super Bowl one for you. Buy or sell that Patty Mahomes would throw at least one INT in the Super Bowl. The answer was a buy. He threw two. Uh, there you go. Ben wrong with the sell. Uh, he did not think his golden boy could do wrong, but he did. Uh, Greg bought it, though. Got it right. Is his MVP trophy gold? Or? <laughs> good one. Got he almost World. threw the game away, but he didn't. He, Jimmy yeah. G bailed him out. It's all good. Love it. All right, speaking of colors, we have one more Super Bowl answer by ourselves that the Super Bowl winning coach would have red Gatorade poured on him at the end of the game. I went up and I went out and looked up the official answer for this. The answer was a sell. It was orange, so didn't really matter. You know, I, I went back and looked at the video, but I wanted to make sure. I looked up a couple of official sources. It was orange, so it was a sell. Ben, you sold it and were right, and Greg wrong with a buy. I was watching when it happened. I'm yeah. like, dang it, it's orange. Give me give me the field on that all day. Yeah. All right, mercifully, we're done with Super Bowl uh, ones. Gotta <laughs> move on to college basketball. Buy or sell that there would be at least two upsets of top 25 teams on Saturday. Well, the answer was, boy, there was. Uh, nine. Uh, it was a buy. Ben, you picked two of nine. I suppose right. So good for you. You got you got a um, bonus point, Ben. Because which I don't know. I both. Did we confer on this, Josh? Are we allowed to award bonus points? Yes, we are. We're, we're, I d- right. did it without. It's consulting in dispute. You. I've got an asterisk <laughs> by by this, just so you know. Uh, Josh has like six or seven seasons of buy sell on you, so you're overruled. <laughs> Says who? Says who? <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah. No, Greg that, also got it right with a buy. I didn't mention that. And Ben, Ben, or yeah, Greg, you got it right with a buy, and you you actually predicted a couple, but neither of those came true. So one of them was Nebraska winning. And see, because we don't we don't award negative bonus points, right? Because you pick them wrong. That's why they're called bonus points, Tim. You ever you ever submitted a, a test with extra credit and gotten credit off for getting it wrong? I probably have at some point. I'll have to, I'll have to do some digging on that. I'll get back to you college was a long time ago uh, <laughs> wasn't it we move on to our last answer and it comes from the world of tennis by or sell that the men's and women's championship matches in the australian open would last a combined five hours and 15 minutes or longer the answer a bye it was a combined six hours and two minutes the men took care of a big chunk of it by going nearly just a minute short of four hours and the Ooh. women went a little over two hours. So it was a combined 6.02 for a buy. Greg, you bought it and were right. Ben wrong with a sell. The key to that was that you needed a women's match to go three sets, and that one did. And at that point, you five felt like, oh, I got this one. I needed a dusting, and that didn't yep. happen. Yep. Yep, there you go. All right, so with all of that said, with a bonus point for Ben added in, you guys are dead even. Four of seven on the week for both of you. Good work. Dang it. Bonus point got me. Over sure over 500, <laughs> so I'll take it. Yep, 57.1% for those calculating at home. All right, uh, we'll begin with the questions of this uh, new glorious season of buy, sell. Starting off with Husker baseball. They'll get started this weekend against Baylor. So buy or sell that Nebraska will record at least seven extra base hits versus the Bears. Seven extra base Seven hits. Seven extra base hits. Ye of little faith, Ben. You're not Thinking. buying this one? Can a dude get a second? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you know the shot clock rules have changed this year. A lot less time. <laughs> sure, I'll buy it. All right. I'm buying it, too. I mean, that's really just... Two and a half a game. Yeah, yeah, I'm by that. All right, all right, very good. Sticking with Husker baseball for our next question: By ourselves, that Nebraska holds Baylor without a run in at least four consecutive innings, and it can carry over between two games. Hmm. God, it's like a perfect line. 
Um. <laughs> I'm going to sell that. All right. Hold them scoreless for four consecutive innings. Yep, at any stretch this weekend. So and it can wrap. Yeah, again, too. it can. Yeah, it, I think there's a lot of new parts in that Baylor lineup. I think there might be a, a, a day where they struggle. I'll, I'll buy it. All right, very good. All right, got a Husker softball one for you. Buy or sell that Nebraska hits at least seven home runs this weekend. They've got five games in the ACC. Four games. Big, is it four? Four no, it's four, four. Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Boston College and Georgia Tech. They play them twice. It wasn't a math error. I just <laughs> forgot. Jeez, getting getting beat up on buy or sell. All right, seven home runs. Buy sell. Uh, are they going to get them all in? How's the weather? Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll get all. They're in Atlanta. Nate they'll... said that they would be fine with weather. Oh, if Nate says they're Nate, fine, the meteorologist they're fine. Roar says they're good. So, um, seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, but they hit a lot of home yeah. runs this last How many did place they is launching pad. I'm going to sell it. How many do they have over the well, past didn't, weekend? Uh, Edwards have four by herself. Huscroft had one, I think. Yeah, Peyton Huscroft uh, hit a dinger. Uh, maybe Peyton Gladder, she might have hit one. Um, yeah, I'm going off the top of my head. but There you go. These are really intense lines. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas would be in awe at the way we set these. <laughs> I sold it. Sell for Ben. Greg, what are you doing here? Um, <clears throat> Nate did talk about how Las Cruces was just a real launching pad, small dimensions. I don't think that's the case at Georgia Tech. Um, you you sold it? Ben did. Have we sell. been different at all yet? Yes, you were different on the last one. The consecutive runs in four innings. Well, the Huskers hit 12 last weekend in five games. Whew. These are two teams that aren't that good, but they're playing. Edwards hit four. Peyton Glader hit three. Um, so, so seven's a buy? Seven is a buy. I'll buy yep. it. All right. Greg's buying. Love it. Sticking with Huskers softball for our next question. Buy or sell that Nebraska pitches a shutout in one of their next nine games or holds opponents to one run in at least two of their next nine games. Ooh, so I, don't, I don't think I see shutout, particularly this early in the year. Right. Um, so, so what's the one run thing again? Right, so a one run in two games uh, of that nine-game stretch. So, again, they have the Big Ten ACC Challenge playing Georgia Tech and Boston College twice. And then they have the tough Mary Nutter Classic the following weekend. Oklahoma, BYU, Cal, Washington, and Florida. Yeah, I'm going to have to sell that. Okay. I'm with you. Sell. Pitching wasn't stellar this weekend. Very good. Okay. All right, moving on to a men's basketball and women's basketball combo question. Buy or sell that Nebraska men's basketball, women's basketball teams will combine for at least 53 pointers in their games through February 24th. So that's three men's games and four women. How many threes? 50. 50 of them. A 50 burger. Six games, huh? Seven. Seven games. Seven. Math is hard. Oh. Whoa, Tim. <laughs> Whoa. The fangs are out tonight. They're out. So that'd be a shade over seven threes a game for the yeah. two teams. Uh. Shade over seven per game. I'll buy it. Okay. It's rain them in. Me too. Husker women have had some games where they've had 10, 12. So have the men. I, sure. I'll buy that. All right. Love it. All right. Sticking with another combo question for the Husker Hoops teams by ourselves that Nebraska men's and women's basketball combined for at least 450 points in their games through February 24th. The same three and four game stretch, seven total games. 450 points for those two teams. This is me. Yeah, it? what do we got for a calculator 64. here? 64.2857143. Ooh, if it was a couple decimals higher. <laughs> well, the men are going to play a Wisconsin team that controls tempo. They're going to play at Illinois. It plays really good defense. Michigan State's pretty good defensively. 
Men, the men are going to have a hard time holding their end up. The women have some real winnable games at Penn State, Illinois. All right. 64? 64 per game, basically, is what we're looking at. Um, I'll buy it. Okay. Ben? Thinking. Ben's got his thinking cap cap on. on. There you go. (laughs) Um, Combo question, just throwing him through a loop? Well, I'm trying to... I'm trying to... See how low the men could go. How low can you go? Um, and have it still be reasonable. Right. Yeah, it, crunching the numbers. Do you buy it? I bought it. I think I'm going to buy it too. Ooh. I, th- I think they'll make it, but I think it's going to be really close. Oh, that, that line's really good. All right. These guys don't set bad lines. That's what I was going to say. There is no, there's no such thing true. as a bad line in <laughs> buy-sell. This is buy-sell. We're professionals <laughs> back here. Dang it. Uh, got a college men's basketball cue for you. Buy or sell that Kansas and Baylor don't lose before their game on February 22nd, and they score a combined 130 points or more in that game. I don't trust anybody in college basketball. I'm selling it. Yep. <laughs> I don't even know who they play. When, when do they play, it. Tim? February 22nd. Without a ten cal- days. That's what I was going to say. Without a calculator, that's ten days away. <laughs> yeah, I'm selling it too. Baylor's had a couple close calls here of late. That yeah. pressure is going to get cranked up on them to yeah. hold everybody off. No one's been able to withhold that pressure all year right. as right. the top-ranked team. Right. So. And not only do they not have to lose, but when they meet, if they were both undefeated going into that game from this point on, then they would have to score at least 130 points in that game, which is also not a given. Right, yeah. All right, sticking with men's college basketball, buy or sell that San Diego State wins their next three games, and they win those three games by an average of 16 points or more. They, They clinched the Mountain West last night. They sure did. February 11th, they clinched the league. They only have four regular season games left, so th- three of those are the ones that we're talking about. The next three. I think they play a few hundred yards away from where we're going to be on they the do. 22nd. UNLV, I think they play. Yep, that is one of their games. They also play Colorado State, and I'm blanking on the third game. What's the margin? 16, though? 16 per game. Man, they've been good, though. Um, yeah, that's about – I mean, that's what they've been winning yeah. by. I'll sell it. I think now that they've won the league, they may relax a little bit. That's Although fair. they're trying to protect that perfect record, which hasn't been done in eons. So right. I'm still going to sell the margin. Well, and maybe the pressure will be turned up on them. They'll, they won't want to lose, and they'll True. be susceptible. So was it – was it um, – was it – Three games that they three were Three games, three games. Three of their last four. So it, not including the season, regular season finale. And at least one of them are at home. I'll buy it. Why not? All right. Go Aztecs. Ben's, Ben's rooting Ben's for the gambler. blowouts. You're rolling the dice. All right, moving on to the NBA. Buyers sell that there are at least 320 points scored in the NBA All-Star game. Probably could change that to 3,200 and be the same. (laughs) Um, Bear in mind they had the new format, so it's like that uh, the magic number type thing where instead of having the fourth quarter clock, they have to reach a certain point threshold. I can't remember what it is, but something like that. Who makes these rules? Uh, the commish. I don't know. <laughs> the commish. Just like just like we do. We when for buy sell. Josh and I put our heads together and create the buy sell rules, which apparently are trampled on <laughs> whenever I, whenever Josh sees fit. <laughs> That's right. Um, three twenty. Three twenty. Isn't that ridiculous? Really high. It's probably conservative. I mean, if we're being honest, like yeah, you know me, give me the points. <laughs> All right. Buying. Did Love Vegas it. set a line for this? I don't know. They I probably look did. At it if they did, we are Vegas. I, I just mean, looked who, at history. Who looks at those hacks? <laughs> just follow us. We know the truth. I don't even know. Have the have the teams been picked yet? By yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had the draft. Right. Which the the Giannis's team is like kind of a bunch of scrubs to the extent. That oh yeah, they're be. just scrubs. Well, they. I mean, comparatively, I mean, LeBron picked a much better 
much better team. Tim, you just said not more than 20 minutes ago back there, if the NBA folded <laughs> yesterday, you wouldn't know about it. So I don't believe anything that you're saying about whose you know team's what? better than whose. You know what, Ben? That's fair. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> Let me look at the rosters here. I'm telling you, you look at the rosters and you'll be – yeah, LeBron's team is stacked. I know he, his first pick was AD, which he probably had to as his teammate. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. AD, Kawhi, Doncic, and Harden are on Team LeBron. That's Doncic may not play, though. Gotcha. And then – He's been hurt. Giannis has Embiid, Siakam, Kemba, your boy, and Trey Young. Huh. Yeah, a bunch of scrubs, right? Uh, I'm Kemba? Buying <laughs> I'm buying it. You bought it, right? Uh-oh, Kemba. Right, Do you know what the both. score was last year? 912 to 16,406. 178 to 164. No, wow. Defense optional, as we like to say, was the score last year. Correct. <laughs> Kemba's e- easily going to have 100 by yeah, it could, be, could just be Kemba versus everyone else. All right. Kemba versus everybody. All right. We are going to stick with the NBA and continue along with the All-Star Game theme. By ourselves that the leading score in the NBA All-Star Game is on Team LeBron. Bye. Kemba's on Giannis. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, Sell. <geez. laughs> Love it. All right. Kemba Walker, number Kemba one fan Walker. in the studio right now. Uh, okay. Closing this bad boy out uh, in the only <laughs> way we can with the XFL. Ooh, yeah. See, last week we had XFL questions, but that was the Ben and Nate edition of Buy, Sell. So, Greg, yeah. this is new for you. Yeah. Go. Ben is an expert I on have the, the XFL advantage. now. I have the advantage. <laughs> Fires sell that the average margin of victory in weeks two and three is 13 points or more. Uh, it was 14 and a half in week one for context. Margin of victory weeks two and three, 13 points or more. <clears throat> yeah, the Guardians just took it to the whatever the Tampa Bay team is. Very, well, very LA, exciting. L.A. had had enough of their D.C. Yeah. Fired him. Out. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> one game wonder. I'm all for it. Interviewing um, kickers when they miss field goals on the sideline. It's good stuff. Which, by the way, we should try and pitch that, I think, is doing some more XFL-style <laughs> broadcast coverage. So it's like combined combined 13? Yeah, so more. the average margin of victory. So between the eight games that are played in weeks two and three is the average spread 13 points or more. Man. Seems like a lot, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, there yeah but it only blocks. takes one to... Well, they also they also do like live look-ins to like the coordinator booth, and they ha- they just literally have their mics on, and they're talking what they're saying what plays they're going to call. So I'm wondering, like every team could be watching the broadcast. This isn't like, the Astros, Tim. <laughs> Come on, Tim. That's right. Or the, the Patriots. XFL's League of Integrity. Or the Patriots. We're, we're oh, not always looking for a competitive edge. Oh, little See, bro. See, that's how all those fans think of that team. How do we cheat our way to a title? <laughs> <laughs> I will, are you calling Bill Belichick's integrity into question? How dare you, sir? That is just yeah, that's exactly of. what I'm doing. That dude is that dude is always the victim. That poor man. He is. He is. Poor Bill. Not enough. Doesn't get enough. I, love. I'm just gonna sell. I'm just gonna say. All something. right. Ben's Bill selling. Belichick decided once he got fired from his first NFL coaching job, I'm never gonna get fired again. I'm gonna cheat yep. my way to win. Did you like when he flashes rings during the Super Bowl pregame? That was pretty good. <laughs> I like that. That was good stuff. It was the best part of the Super Bowl, huh? Yeah, that was pretty good. Good stuff. Uh, would you? I, ben sold. I sold it. I, I'm going to sell it. I think we're going to have some closer games. Yeah. All right. Love it. XFL there for you. Okay. That's it. That's all. The exciting football league. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Ooh. Back a couple minutes left here on our Sports Highly Wednesday night edition. Tomorrow night, only about a 40-minute show. We have Husker women's basketball as they're set to take on Penn State at PBA. Tip-off at 7 o'clock. So our short show will be our men's show for the week. Fred Hoiberg will join Ben along with Hanif Cheatham. He's going to make an appearance by to talk about his terrific game last night, the Huskers' near upset of number 9, Maryland. So tomorrow night, short show, but you'll hear from Coach Hoiberg and Hanif Cheatham. Ben will have that for you. Friday night, baseball begins. Down in Waco against the Baylor Bears. 6.30 is first pitch. We'll be on the air at the normal sports nightly time just after 6 o'clock. Nick Hanley will be with me in Waco as we launch the Will Bolt era of Husker baseball. The Big Ten today did announce their coaches poll. And what they do, why they do it this way, I, I don't know. But they, they only announced the top six. They had Michigan as the preseason favorite to win the league. 
Ohio State, who won the conference tournament a year ago, is number two. Minnesota, three. The Huskers are picked for fourth, followed by Indiana and Illinois. Now, Nebraska will play Michigan on the road. They'll play Ohio State at Haymarket Park. They have to go to Indiana. So, of the top six, Nebraska will play three of them. They will not play Illinois or Minnesota this year on the schedule. Only eight conference weekends. Uh, you have the 13 teams that play, so you do miss a couple of teams each and every week. They also name players to look out for. They named three Huskers, Aaron Polinski, who we heard from earlier tonight. The junior outfielder was tremendous last year for Nebraska. Spencer Swellenbach had a solid freshman campaign for the Big Red. And Garrett Stroh, who today Will Bold announced will be the opening night pitcher for Nebraska. The young man from Kearney. Started his college career at Coffeyville, went to Purdue, pitched a couple of years for the Boilermakers, decided to transfer back home, sat out last year. So he was with the program but did not pitch, has to sit out because of the transfer rule. So he's going to start the Friday game. Colby Gomes, Gomez will start the Saturday game for Nebraska, and Nebraska transitioning him from the closer role a year ago to the starting rotation. And then Cade Povich, junior college transfer into the program for Nebraska, originally from Bellevue West, will get the start for Nebraska in the Sunday matchup. So looking forward to that. So women's, women's basketball tomorrow night, baseball Friday night, Husker men's basketball back on the hardwood. Saturday afternoon at PBA as they take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Ohio State held off Rutgers tonight in Big Ten play, and Michigan's putting it on Northwestern. 16-point Wolverine lead late in the first half. They'll make that 19. They just drained to three, so Michigan looks like they're going to pick up another win in league play. That would be their sixth of the year. They're making a late push to try to jump up in the standings. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Tim, and to all of you for being a part of this one. My next appearance on Sports Island, not until Monday night. But I'll talk to you from Waco, Texas on Friday to start the Husker baseball season. Be safe, be warm out there. It's cold out there tonight throughout the state. Bundle up. We'll talk to you again from Waco on Friday.